This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. There have been countless romantic movies and TV shows and a virtually infinite number of ways to watch people fall in love. But we're here to celebrate pop culture that revolves around friendship, where people love and care about each other deeply, even though they'll never kiss. I'm Linda Holmes. And I'm Stephen Thompson. Today on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, we are recommending three things to watch that get platonic love right. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity don't begin or end with the news cycle. That's because we know race and identity impact every person and influence every story. We're getting into all of it with new voices each week on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. You care about what's happening in the world. Let State of the World from NPR keep you informed. Each day we transport you to a different point on the globe and introduce you to the people living world events. We don't just tell you world news, we take you there. And you can make this journey while you're doing the dishes or driving your car. State of the World podcast from NPR. Vital international stories every day. It's just the two of us today, so let's get right to it. Holmesy, my dearest platonic friend, give me (laughs) your first pick for a piece of pop culture that gets friendship right. Well, not to steal the thunder of our own dear pal, Glenn Weldon, but I wanted to run through kind of what my thinking was about this. And mention a couple that I didn't choose. I'm going to talk about three. And ones that I didn't choose as one of the three, but I still kind of could or would or thought about it. My first thought when I took this on was Issa and her friends, particularly Molly, on Insecure. Mm -hmm. I've always found that friend group really wonderful and funny and supportive of each other and such a good example of kind of the importance of friendship in the lives of, you know, <laughs> I'm inclined to say young people, and I know how old that makes me sound, but that's that's kind of what I'm saying. The only reason I didn't pick them is that I am, like, a season behind on that show, mm-hmm. and I haven't finished it yet. And so I didn't want to pick something where, like, I don't know, maybe something terrible happens in the last season <laughs> that I haven't seen yet, and I wouldn't want to pick them. So The whole last season is just them going to war with each other? I know that's not true. I know that's not true. But I didn't feel right picking something that I haven't seen the end of yet. So I didn't pick them. Sure. I also thought about picking... Mad Men's Don Draper and Peggy Olson, who for a lot of people, that's one of the good ones because of how, you know, they kind of grew to respect each other and they grew to be important to each other. But to me, I'm 
not sure that he is really fully capable of love in the way sure. that we mean it. And I'm not sure his behavior toward her was loving, mm. even though I think he deeply cared about her. I think she was like the closest he came to loving anybody. Sure. But I didn't pick that one for that reason. So I jumped right in and I, I do want to mention the first on my list. I didn't limit myself to what people often are thinking when they talk about platonic friendship on television or movies, which okay. is a hetero woman and a hetero man who are friends, but they don't have a romance, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times when people say, like, there's not enough platonic friendship, that's what they're talking about. I did not limit myself to that. I did only one that is like that. Mm -hmm. And that is Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson from Parks sure. and Recreation. And as much as I liked their various romances that they were involved in, they both eventually found someone and were very happy. I always felt like this was that show's great love story. And mm -hmm. I think that the fact that the final season, which was like a little weird and rickety, and I, I get that. but I love that final season. <laughs> the final season focused on, in part, especially early on, on a rift that had developed between the two of them. And I think the fact that so much emphasis was on that rift really shows you how important that friendship was to the show. And I think that for both of them, that friendship was profoundly important. And you could respect the fact that he really needed her and relied on her. And she wasn't afraid to just kind of keep throwing herself at being friends with him, mm -hmm. even though at first he would kind of make noises about not being interested. There's a wonderful episode where she sets up a dinner for him all by himself, like a big steak all by himself, which is his his ideal, I think it's his birthday dinner. Mm -hmm. And she's really getting to kind of understand him better. And she's getting to do things his way. So I have rented Bridge on the River Kwai and the Dirty Dozen. Artie from security is outside the door, so no one will bother you. And a cab will be here whenever you're ready to take you home. Thank you. And I just have always felt that that friendship was really, like, cool to watch. And I, I know you watched that show, so I'm sure you have some fondness for it. Oh, absolutely. I love that friendship. I love the way that friendship deepens over the course of the series as those two people get to know each other better. I do think it's, it's interesting that you bring up a Michael Shore show because I think one of the main knocks I hear about Michael Shore shows is that the central romances – aren't always 100% convincing to people. Mm -hmm. I think Leslie and Ben, I think uh, if you if you consider Brooklyn Nine-Nine Michael Shore, I mean, obviously he's like more adjacent to it, but the Jake and Amy relationship that doesn't necessarily throw a lot of like romantic heat. Uh, Chidi and Eleanor on The Good Place, mm -hmm. their friendship feels more convincing than their romance, I think is certainly something that I've heard people say about those shows. And I, I, I have felt that as well. And I wonder if he and his team are just best at and care most about friendship. That's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean, I think you're right that I've definitely heard the same things you have. And I will say, I think Leslie and Ben work pretty convincingly for me. They didn't at first, mm -hmm. but by the end they did. At the beginning, I was like, I'm not sure I believe these people are hot for each other. But right. as it went on, I, I definitely was. By the time they were getting married and stuff like that, I definitely, by then, I was fully on board. The other thing that I, that I went through with this list is that there are certain ones that I would have loved to have picked, but eventually whoever the creators were decided to get to the people together romantically, yeah. and it kind of ruined it for me. 
I personally considered Mulder and Scully on the X-Files to be a great Mm -hmm. close friendship. And what I used to say about them was, it's not that I think they should or shouldn't get together. It's that I don't think sleeping together would make them any closer than they already are because they had that kind of profound, soulful connection even before they were romantically involved. So I tend to be the person who's often very disappointed when they put people (sighs) together. I think it's interesting to think about the ones that do and don't work and some romances that don't need to be romances. I think Leslie and Ron's friendship is one of my very favorites on the comedy side. So So that's Leslie and Ron on Parks and Recreation. Linda Holmes, give us your second pick. All right. I wanted to pick something that arose out of the workplace. And so I chose John Carter, played by Noah Wiley, and Peter Benton, played by Eric LaSalle from ER. Mm-hmm. You know, ER ran for 15 seasons. Right. It began with Carter showing up for his first day at work. And his his mentor, his boss guy, I guess, was Benton. And Benton was kind of a real hard ass. You the surgical student? Yep. Third year. Good. We're going to be spending a lot of time together, so let me show you around so you'll be oriented. Do you know how to start an IV? Uh, actually, no. I thought you were third year. I am, but all I've done is dermatology and psychiatry. The well-dressed specialties, huh? Well, you find that surgeons actually try to help people, not just build. He was a really strict Mm -hmm. and sometimes very critical and seemingly kind of emotionless person in dealing with Carter. He dealt with Carter very much as a teacher only. But there are times over the course of the series, they spent years and years building this close relationship between the two of them to the point where they were friends and they were colleagues. And they, you know, were they pals? I don't know if I would say they were pals, but there was a very profound love between those two guys. And when Carter was hurt, once when he was injured and another time when he was struggling with an addiction – And Benton is the one who eventually gets him to go to rehab and travels with him. So you really saw the importance of Benton in his life at a time when they had really shifted away from that boss Mm -hmm. underlying kind of relationship and yet still had this very, very powerful bond. And the way that they developed that in a workplace setting without a kind of conventional buddy-buddy kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. I often think that there aren't enough portrayals of profoundly important friendships between men as adults on television. There are more, I think, women who are portrayed as having these great friendships. And I really treasure that ER relationship as one that kind of represented one way that people in the workplace become close. Yeah, it's a great example of a workplace friendship that is still centered on the work. Absolutely. It's an important bond. It's an important bond. Nice. I like that. So that's Carter and Benton on ER. Linda Holmes, bring it in for a landing. Give us your third pick. Well, I wanted to pick one that was kind of the gang of friends, where it's not just a one-on-one situation, but a, a kind of a big group. And so I chose Hugh Grant's friends in Notting Hill. And Notting Hill is about a guy named William played by Hugh Grant, who falls in love with an actress named Anna, played by Julia Roberts. And one of the things that happens in the film is they're trying to have this kind of fairly normal relationship. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to get around the fact that she's famous. And he takes her to dinner at his friend's house. And all of them act so 
strange around her in various different ways, particularly at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Hi. Oh, God, this is one of those key moments in life when it's possible you can be really genuinely cool, and I, I'm going to fail just a 100%. But then they all kind of settle in, and they start to treat her more normally, and she starts to open up, and they're so loving towards him in wanting him to be happy and wanting him to discover, you know, this relationship with this woman. And, you know, he's got Spike, his roommate, played by Reese Ifans. He's a a very odd duck. Yes. His little sister, Honey, who's played by Emma Chambers, is also kind of an odd duck. Mm -hmm. And if you think that might mean that Spike and Honey would have some fondness for each other, you might be right. Mm -hmm. Tim McInerney plays Max, who is married to Bella, played by Gina McKee. And no less than the one and only Hugh Bonneville, (laughs) Lord Grantham from (laughs) Downton Abbey is Bernie, who is a stock market guy. These friends are such a strangely believable group of friends. Mm -hmm. To me, they really care about him. They root for him. There's a bit at the end where they all kind of get involved in this, you know, frantic chase to kind of make the romance work. It's very movie. But (laughs) I kind of wanted to include a good example of sort of the, the big gang, which all of those characters to me are pretty specifically drawn. They are particular. They have particular stories. There's a really interesting story about Bella and Max. They talk about their marriage a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's just a lot to be said about those big gangs. And it's more than just a sex in the city type of a thing where it's this person, this person, this person, this person. It's the atmosphere of love that surrounds somebody when they're with their friends. You can say the same thing about Bridget Jones's friends mm-hmm. to some degree. So that was my pick for kind of a platonic mob. Yeah, I think this is a great pick. And I I appreciate you talking about the gang of friends. You know, one thing that comes up a lot in conversations about pop culture, people talk about the Bechdel test, you know, which is just like, are there two female characters in this project who ever have a conversation with each other that is not about a boy? Right. And one of the reasons that you want that isn't just to show women having lives beyond romance, but you just want to show people that people have lives. And they put such care into the chemistry within this group. They so easily, somewhere along the way, could have been like, we need to bring this thing in for a landing, or we need to cut this down. We don't need all this stuff with the friends. But Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. their presence in this film really humanizes everyone involved. And you come to care about and enjoy people who are not necessarily central to this romance. I, I I love that movie. And one of the big reasons I love that movie is how much it cares about the friendships. Yeah. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to pick this, too, is that it represents a movie where the central story is a romance. Mm-hmm. And yet, as you're saying, it puts all this emphasis on the friendships. And I think friendships and relationships with other people, whether it's their family or their friends or whoever, those relationships are critical to building out who a character actually is. It's actually much harder, I think, to do something like they do with the Julia Roberts character in this movie, where she kind of, you don't really know her people. You Mm -hmm. don't really know who her people are. You know who his people are. But, you know, similar to something like those super close friendships in When Harry Met Sally with Mm -hmm. 
the Carrie Fisher character and the Bruno Kirby character, you know, those are how they really put roundness to those characters. And it's how you kind of get to understand them. And I think without friends, without kind of knowing who somebody's people are, it's actually more challenging to make people care about a romance. I also considered, since I am talking about Nora Ephron and that whole <laughs> genre, I also considered the friendship between Meg Ryan and Rosie O'Donnell in Sleepless in Seattle for mm. a very specific reason, which is they talk on the phone at one point and Meg Ryan is really, you know, kind of down and she's frustrated about something and they're talking. And at the end of the phone call, they both say, I love you, which almost never happens in the movies right. and happens all the time in real life. Is this crazy? No. That's the weirdest part about it. Thank you. I love you. I love you, too. Good night. We do that all the time, yep. right? Love you, buddy. Love you. There, I said it just now. Do it all the time. <laughs> and they almost never show it. So I, I freely admit that this list is very much made up of my – I mean, there are so many examples of platonic friendship that this is really just me digging out some of the ones that are most beloved to me. And other people would have completely different ones. But these are the ones that I, you know, in my world that includes a lot of 90s television <laughs> and romantic comedies, these are the ones that came to mind for me. Well, they're excellent picks. So that is William's Friends from Notting Hill, Linda's third and final pick. We want to know your favorite examples of platonic love. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Linda Holmes, thanks so much for being here. Love you. Love you, buddy. This episode was produced by Isabella Gomez Sarmiento and Ramel Wood and edited by Jessica Reedy and Mike Katzif. Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all tomorrow. On the TED Radio Hour... In the middle school cafeteria, Tai Tashiro always sat with his equally nerdy buddies. The socially awkward kids who were the furthest thing from cool. And he often wondered, Why am I so socially awkward and what am I going to do about that? Now Tai is a psychologist and expert on awkwardness, and he has some answers. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. For the seventh year on the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity go way beyond the day's headlines. Because we know what's part of every person is part of every story. We're bringing that perspective with new episodes every week. Listen on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. The Bullseye podcast is, according to one journalist, the, quote, kind of show people listen to in a more perfect world. So make your world more perfect. Every week, Bullseye puts the pop in culture, interviewing brilliant authors, musicians, actors, and novelists to keep you on your pop culture target. Listen to the Bullseye podcast, only from NPR and Maximum Fun.